0: right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, this morning and, and each and every person here, Lord, um, and what it took to get here. <laughs> and God, we pray that you would meet us all here in this place, that you'd speak to us by your spirit, through your word, Lord, that you'd touch our hearts, you'd open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, we would just be able to um, be more aligned and and more in love with you Lord so God we pray that you just would uh, cover this place this morning with your spirit uh, just that you, your presence and that you just would uh just be working in our midst that we'd be able to see it happening and be exciting and fun and um, just thank you for all you've done and all you're gonna do we just praise you in Jesus name amen all right first Corinthians uh, chapter 9 verse one. So, uh, if you remember from chapter eight, Paul had been dealing with freedoms and choosing to use freedoms for, uh, you know, not using them as my freedom is more important than people, but choosing people over freedoms and any freedom that you might have that is more important to you than people is not a freedom. It's bondage. Right? And so he kind of continues on with that theme because the Corinthians loved their freedoms. And Paul is giving them a very real example of what it looks like to take a freedom that you have and to lay it aside for the purpose of others. So that's what he's kind of going to deal with here uh, in chapter 9. He's giving a real life, personal example. Verse 1, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Uh, The the term apostle means one who is sent, right? Uh, Paul was clearly an apostle. Was he one of the, the 12 disciples? No, but he... Jesus appeared to him. He kind of had a special thing there, right? Jesus appeared to him and said, Hey, Saul, let's call it Paul. You're my guy. (laughs) And you're going to be doing a lot of stuff. And you're going to see a lot. You're going to suffer a lot. And you're going to be useful to me. Let's go. Paul was absolutely an apostle. He was sent. He is He's the most prominent missionary we see throughout the scriptures. Absolutely encompassed that selfless Drive and and love and and uh, dedication to Christ. You know, I I was he like, he said I was the one born out of due time, but I labored harder than them all. Not I, but Christ in me. Like I went for it. Once it was given, I charged it with everything I had. So he's an apostle, but remember, the Corinthians had a problem with authority, right? They had issues with authority. They're much like our culture today. Yeah, you could say whatever you want as long as you don't tell me what to do. And as long as I don't have to respect anybody, that's fine, right? But you better respect me. You know, this is kind of the day. Corinth's like like us, so much like us. And so they had issues with authority. And he says, if anyone should know I'm an apostle, it should be you guys. Like, I was with you for a year and a half. We established this church. Like, I know who I am. And this isn't arrogance speaking. It's knowing your position and who you are. That's important, right? Because if something is like false humility, like, oh, no, I couldn't do that. And you're like, you can do that. Just do it. But don't be arrogant about it. Just do it. Be, be who you are. Especially when it's the, who you are is who Christ has called you to be. Paul knew that. So he wasn't swayed from, to the light, right or to the left from that. But he's like saying, You guys are actually the seal of my apostleship. You are a living example of it. So it's kind of funny that you're like questioning that. Because like you are the seal. You are a like badge. Look at that. Is clear that there's the apostleship here, especially it happening in Corinth. God used him a year and a half there. It was a big deal. But he says, he uses the, the phrasing, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Like, I could do, I'm free. I can do what I want. I know who I am. And he's going to actually be speaking on the lines of getting paid in ministry. Like them taking care of him financially. And he has a very specific reason why he is not uh, allowing that. He says, but my defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? He's like, do I have the freedoms to be supported in ministry, to have a family, to have all of these things? In, do I have the freedom to have those things? Well, we know that others in the ministry were absolutely supported by the churches. He's like, I'm, I could definitely ask for that, especially I'm a missionary that comes into your town, that's here to minister to you guys. And, and to. he's like, that would absolutely be reasonable. He says, or is it only Barnabas, verse 6, and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, uh, at his own expense who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Um, and then he says, who, or who tends a flock and does not drink the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man, or does the law say the same also? He's like saying, if you were to go to war, you wouldn't also be working and going to, you wouldn't be financing it. Okay. Like you'd be like, okay, well, I got to work from um, eight to five to buy the bullets. So then I can go to war. You know, like this is, he's like, this doesn't make sense. You, your job is that. That is so you can focus on that. So you'd be good at that. That's absolutely makes sense. The fruit, he says, even the fruit you got to be able to partake of that or else, you know, you're going to lose heart. We're going to see that. We're going to partake of the fruit or the milk, whatever. That There's a part of that that it's to be supported in ministry. There's merit to it. And he says, the law says it also. For it is written, the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is uh, Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow and hope and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. Paul said there is reason for there to be backing like that you would be able to have freedom to go and do these things. Well, it's it's kind of weird to speak on this. By God's grace I do this full time. <laughs> you know that that's that's really cool. You know actually originally it was like part time. <laughs> And throughout ministry, coming into ministry for a very long time, it was part-time. And you're doing all this other stuff. And it was like full-time job and then ministry. And then it starts to kind of go like 90-10, 70-30, 50-50. And it kind of keeps on going. Those who want to go to 100% right away, be careful. These people are scary, right? They're like, "Um, oh, so um, where's the company car at? I was sitting at the last pastor's conference. I noticed that there was a Lexus there. Is that kind of part of the... You're like, oh, that was... Um, no, that wasn't a pastor. That was a janitor. Um, the janitor. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, anyone who's experienced this knows it is much more difficult to be able to minister when you're also working full-time. Paul, you know, he's, this is kind of going back even to the point of, if you are married... It's going to be harder for you to dedicate your whole life to the ministry. You know, by the way, if you have kids, it will be even harder. Now you have a wife and you have kids and you have a full-time job. Well, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. I can make it happen. I can make it happen. But the problem is, is that what you have left to give isn't very good. Right? And it's like now all of a sudden you're not only are you not a good pastor. You're also not a good husband. You're not a good father. You're not a good. All of these things. And there's seasons where, like, like I said, recently, where personally, it was a season where you had to dive back in from full-time ministry into somewhat part-time, and God provides the way. And he makes it work. And okay, there's a job, and oh my goodness, that works out perfect, and know? Oh, okay, and, and you're able to kind of float it all, but it helps you remember how Beautiful it is to have the ability to when someone says, hey, can I meet? You can meet them. Hey, when somebody calls, you're like, okay, yeah, here we go. Or, or, uh, you can keep everything paid and moving and clean and all of these things. The message, the, there's a lot more that goes on than you think. And, and Paul's saying like, there is absolute merit to having that support. And he says, the law supports it right here. Like, why would you try and like. Break the spirit of an ox or someone who's doing labor. Now, the, for those who are receiving this, they should really take it heavily, this is me, on my heart to make sure I'm doing it well, that I care, that I'm investing, that you're juggling all, everything well, and that you're faithful to what God has called you to. And that's like a heavy thing to always be thinking about. But there's value to keeping workers fed, isn't there? That's definitely... And I think you'll find that like people who are, well, in this time, much like today, there are people who, who see this, saw, um, spirituality as a way to make money. That was a thing back then. And it is a thing now, right? Do this, do that, do this. And then, you know, oh, you can have your own little nonprofit, you know, tax breaks and all this. And you're like that, that, that was going on here in this day and age. And I think that's why Paul Rightfully knew he was taking, I have the ability and I have the freedom. I choose not to use it. Could you imagine how much more the Corinthians would have had issue with him if he would have used it? Knowing the culture that he was in. He's like, I didn't even use my freedoms and you're still giving me a hard time. You can imagine if it was the other way around. She said, for it is written. Okay. Yeah, no, we already did that. Verse 11 if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. There's his heart. Now, there was actually people who were being fed, so to speak, by the ministry, but it wasn't Paul. He says, I chose not to do that we chose not to do that because we didn't want to hinder the gospel of Christ. We wanted to make sure there was no issues there at all. And, and I think it's important, like in all things to live as you're called to live, like whatever God has calls you to do, you do. And sometimes, um, you know, there's, there's times where you, you have opportunities to do something and especially in a vocational way, because that's really what we're talking about. And, um, and somebody says, hey, thanks for coming. Here's this. And you go, you know what? This one was supposed to be free. <laughs> and sometimes people, people have done that where they'll come out and they'll speak here and they'll be like, oh, you know what? I'm not supposed to take it. But you're like, but you had to drive like an hour and a half to get here. Like this covers your gas or whatever. Like, no, that's a free one just take it <laughs> like it's good. And that's a really good thing to always remember and to not always do things just because you're going to get something out of it. It's a weird mentality, right? Like Paul is willing to go, yeah, I don't really care about this. This doesn't really matter to me. Like I don't need it. I don't care. I don't want to hinder the gospel. I'm just on this one, I'm good. Does, I, we don't know that he was never supported, Because I think he was. But I think especially in Corinth, he knew well that he needed to work there. Like that he needed to not give them any excuse. He knew who he was dealing with. He's like, you guys are a bunch of, you know, manipulators and God loves you so much. But you're going to have an issue. I know it. Um, And he would have been right So he says, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the holy things of the temple? And those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Um, Obviously, we, uh, if you watch the news, you know there's people who are living from the gospel like kings, right? (laughs) That's um, not good, right? We can all agree with that. Um, there 's a report of someone uh, of a pastor owning like the most expensive house in his whole county that 's just terrifying to think about like are you are you crazy like I think there 's no reason for a pastor to ever live above the people in the, in the church right um, and so some communities that looks very low in some communities you it 's a little higher because it costs so much to live there, but to be Two extremes, way too much is like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared for you. Like, so when you put like your check in, does it, are your fingers singed? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are, what does that feel like? Or too little where your family's starving and you're having to do all these other things. And you know, the church c- can do it to make it so you can be able to, to live semi-normal, right? It always gets tricky in like a community like this, where the median income is like so high, which is why we were able to f- buy an affordable condo. Thank you, Carlsbad, for being so expensive. Um, but that's the, that's something that it, it's just. I know you're like, I didn't come. I don't even really want to hear. This. But this, it's good to know, like that this is what's real out there, and that um, yeah, and that there's people who. who set all that board members who are honest before the Lord that deal with all these things. Yes. So there you go. But, but Paul's saying like, this is not, this is a biblical idea. Um, and you can see all the practical application that comes from that, uh, verse 15, but I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done. So to me, for it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my voice my boasting void. For I, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul is saying, this is a calling. This is not a career. Like, I can't not preach the gospel. And I've mentioned this before, and it was... Uh, pastor ed ray and richie knows because he's we're from the packing house redlands boys richie's from colton so you know i'm talking about san bernardino well colton's like one step below san bernardino okay right Col- right richie did you guys wasn't there like some bodies underneath your neighbor's yard or something yeah sorry richie i'm sorry sorry to bring that up but um you're like what did you learn at church today yeah well that's that's it um but Pastor Ed used to always say, if you, I think it was him that said, if you could do anything besides ministry, then do it. <laughs> but if you're stuck and you like know you have to do it, like you, that you have to preach, then then so be it. This is your life. Sorry about your luck, you know. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's, a, it's an unbelievable thing to be used in that way, but it's also very hard and trying and you want to make sure that you're called not just it kind of sounds fun paul's like i am compelled to preach the gospel how do you know that it's true of paul paul didn't want to be famous he just wanted to be faithful just like jesus whenever the crowds got too big he's like we need to go (laughs) this is kind of getting a little much let's get out of here no jesus this is your greatest opportunity yet we'll make banners you know it'll be really cool Here's the biggest outreach. Let's put some numbers to this thing. Over 5,000. You know, there were numbers, right? We know people were fed and all these things, sure. But like, the idea was not, okay, let's be a famous or a celebrity or whatever. I think that's a good indication. Paul's like, I don't really care as long as you know that I'm about Jesus. And if I offend you, I want it to be for his sake, not my own. But I'm also not scared to offend you for his sake. If you're offended by the gospel, that's not my problem. I'm going to do my very best for you to see it the way it is and for you to be, you know, compelled towards it because I sure am. And man, I found the way to hope and I found life in him. Here you go. It's all right there. But if you can't handle that, that's okay. I can't do anything with that. That's the heart of a real pastor, of an apostle, of a disciple, of someone who is. All about the ministry. He says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Like, I have to preach the gospel. How good is it that Paul did? Could you imagine if he didn't? If he's like, eh, I'm good. That was cool, I met Jesus that one time. Maybe down the road I'll do something, you know. No, it was like immediate turn. His whole, You know, realize his whole life that he knew that he built was gone. For following Jesus. And that was it. And that would continue the rest of his life. Also, if you are one that is called. You have absolutely no issue with doing it for nothing. You do it anyway, anywhere, anyhow. If there's an opportunity, you take it. Because you care about preaching the gospel. Nothing else. It's not a, vo- it's not a job. That's not what it is. It's a calling. Anyway, verse 17. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. He's like, I'm choosing to not take this willingly. I'm choosing this. It's not because I didn't have to. He's like, I have a reward in that, in knowing that I'm doing it willingly. He's like, I, but but the main thing is that I preach the gospel and that I never abuse the authority I have in him. Something that's really important to not abuse your authority. And you have to have people in your life that are really honest with you to make sure that they check you. You're not using it. You're not abusing it. You're not manipulating things. And Paul was very, very, very clear in not wanting to do that at all. I think about Pastor Aaron from Kingsfield. And he would always, you know, he'd always come storming into my office. You know, there would be some, like, something where some pastor messed up and blew it. And he'd be like, oh, if you ever see me do any of these things, call me out. And I'd be like, oh, okay, man. Like, did you do? You didn't do it, right? And no, he he didn't. But he was just every time there was like a, a, a the littlest thing, he'd be like, "Don't you ever let me get close to that?" And and I'm like, oh, "All right, cool." But I love the heart of that because it's so like proactive in saying, "I'm not going to become a Pharisee," and it's also very honest in realizing we are men. That can be swayed. That can't. That sin can affect you, and it's a slippery slope. So if you see me do one little thing, check me. Like that was great for him, great for me to see, just to be like, that is it. This is how it happens. Because what? Right? No accountability. A little thought leads to many other thoughts. Leads to, and this is. You can go down any sin line you want. It doesn't have to be vocational ministry, anything. Check your heart. Call it out. Be real. Have people in your life that will tell you the truth. Because we like being nice. We don't like telling people the truth. Truth without love is what? Do you guys remember this? Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Right? Right? Like someone that can be there and say, here it is. This is the real thing. So he's saying, I, I have this ability. I choose not to use. I choose to do it for free. We had no idea. He probably didn't really fully know how important this would be to this church. Um, but if he would have taken it, it might have further fueled the fire and further caused problems. He knew and, and sometimes you just get something where you just know you're not supposed to do something. That you're, you can have it. It's fine. It wouldn't be a problem. But you just know. You know what? I don't. Today's not the day. I'm not. That's not for me. I just don't need to be here right now. And you stay sensitive to the Lord, and you you don't let your God be your belly. You let your God be your God. <laughs> and then you can do that. I remember hearing a story about years ago, in the building days of Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith. Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of this ministry and this movement, um, was offered, uh, someone I'd offered him a million dollars to help finance a project. And um, as a pastor, who you know, we're struggling financially at times. You go, uh, thank you, God. You are in this. I can see it. It's got six zeros. You're in it. I can see it right there. There's six zeros behind it but there was some check in his spirit to know this is not something I should take. And he didn't take it. And the Lord ended up providing another way. But there, I remember as the story went, the, the person who had done that was someone who wanted their name attached to it. And they wanted to be forever linked to it as part of what built this up. Now, see, it takes a lot of uh, discernment and spiritual awareness to turn down $1 million in the seventies or whatever it was when a million dollars was a million dollars, right? Not a condo, you know, that was, this was, this was the case. This was that sensitivity to the spirit to know, no, it looks good, but mm, I have freedom to take it. But you know what? I don't think this is the right call. Thank you so much but no thank you could you imagine what that did to that person you just turned down a million dollars from me all right i'm going to start a church down the street you know no i don't know i don't know how that story went but i know that it was the right call At the time, verse 19, he says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Again, Paul's bringing all of this back to the principles from chapters seven and eight. And, you know, the whole point of all of this is, is the gospel message. We live here as sojourners, as pilgrims. It's not just about this, which is frustrating sometimes because everything around us is just only about this. But we're called to go beyond that, to move past that, to live for something bigger, eternity, instead of like a little glimpse, a a vapor, uh, just like a, you know, puff. That's, that's our life, right? So we're, we're wise to invest in eternity, And he says, so I I choose, even though I'm free from all men, no one owns me. That's very clear with Paul, right? Did did you ever get the authority that someone kind of had something up on Paul? Like, oh, you know, oh man, I better not cross that guy. He, He withstood Peter to his face, right? Peter, like Peter, Peter, like, you know, like the guy who hung out with Jesus all the time. That was like clearly a bit of a bull in a China shop. You kind of get the feeling that Peter maybe was down with conflict sometimes. Like, so Paul, this Pharisee shows up, talks about Jesus like he knew him. I hung out with that guy all the time. No, Paul says, oh, Peter. No, if you're off by all means, I will tell you. I withstood him to his face. I love it. Said that, right? He says, I withstood him to his face. Like, I didn't say stuff about him in a book somewhere. Like, oh, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be like Peter. Not naming any names, but it starts with a P and ends with an eater, you know. Well, he's serious about it. He's like, he was not scared of anyone. What can you do to me? Like, we, we see this. Like, there's nothing you can do to me. I'm with the creator of the universe. I'm on his team. If I die, I go to heaven. If not, I'll live on. Keep on, keep on preaching the gospel. So what do you want to do? Paul's in your court, but not really. <laughs> this is Peter. I mean, this is Paul. And infected and affected everyone around him. But he says, I made myself a servant of all. I'm not free from all men, but I've made myself a servant to all. Note the word made myself. Like he did, he just decided that he would do that. He would... Make himself, he would discipline himself to be a servant, even though your flesh might say, let's take the freedom, man. I made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. There's the goal that I might win the more. He's not married to freedom over souls. Souls are more important than freedom. Then you will always struggle unless you get that right. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews and to those who are under the law as those under the law, that I might win those who are under the law I mean, he's willing to be second or to even just to to cater to weakness for the greater goal, like I will do that for you, I don't mind, I'll go there. He says to those who are without laws, without law, not being without he I love that he puts this little caveat in there. No. Because I know you Corinthians see without law and you're like, yes, that is what we will be without law towards everybody. Keep on living with her. That's fine. You know, Paul said it here. He's like, no, 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 not not as being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. This is the Gentiles, right? To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Not all are going to be saved, but that I might save some. And, uh, hey, Richie, you're here. I'm going to get to use, this is fun. I've used this many times, and it's actually from your brother, Frank. Uh, No, no, no. It's. But it's actually about your dad. Okay, hey, that's good. R- your dad is ma- was a mailman, right, for many years. And I remember Frank used to always say, my dad's a mailman. And he, all he did was deliver the mail, and he didn't care what you did with it after you, you delivered it, right? He's not sitting at home. He would say, watching the Laker game, thinking, man, I wonder if they opened that mail, right? He was. His whole thing was, give it. Deliver, 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 just keep on delivering it and let them do what they're going to do with it. Right. And Paul has a bit of that. Like I'm going to deliver it the best way I can. I'm not going to just throw it in the street next to it. I'm not going to put it in the recycle bin, which sometimes you wish mailmen would do. You're like, here is the recycle bin. If it says, does not say my name on it. Just put it in there right there. Just put it in, you know, save yourself a little bit of time. But he's, he would say, I just deliver it and go on with my day. So be it, you know, but Paul's like, I want to do everything I can to reach them knowing I'm not going to save all of them, but some of them. Yes, I give all of that opportunity, but that it's up to them and God to work out, you know, how they get to that place. And so he says that, that I might uh, save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Now we see another driving factor for Paul is like to see souls saved and to be a partaker of what God is doing. That's it. It's like that you get to think, do you think about it that way? Like, yeah, you know, okay, we're doing these things for God. You're a partaker of what he's actually doing you kind of get a glimpse for this when you see people who've gotten saved and you find out their grandma or their mom or their dad or some has been praying for them for a really long time. And then you get to meet them, the grandparents or the mom or the dad. And they're like, I have been praying for them so long and they've come to Christ. And you're like, Oh, that's awesome. And they're like, Oh no, it's more than that. You know? And pastor Greg Opine would say, no, it's not awesome is the word. We just use it too often. And, This is awesome chicken wings, man. You know, no, it's not awesome. It doesn't blow your mind. But that it, you're a partaker in what God is doing. You get to be a part of that. That's so cool, right? That's Paul. He's like, and by the way, once you are, and this is another good reason why you should be signing up for those events. If you can, once you are a partaker of the gospel, and being a part of ministry, we're not—we're just serving ourselves. And a lot of what we've been doing around here has been building up. And there's a lot of serving that happens in the church and locally. And um, and there's bagels that are going out and blessing people. We have a ton of them; they're in the freezer. There's so many this week. For those of you who are new, we get bagels for free from Garden State Bagels, and they're so awesome. And they have a new latte machine. We just told the owner showed me to me. Yeah, all right, man. But we have a bunch of bagels that we take out, and there's people who bring them to homeless or, you know, uh, to the vets or, you know, to the base, whatever, wherever we they can go as a blessing. But it's so good to be partakers of the gospel, of being able to get the word out. What if the house you are able to lay that video down? Someone comes to the church. They get saved. You, would it have been a, a worthy Saturday? <laughs> What if it was the bag you packed? And this isn't a guilt trip or anything or weird manipulation. It's just reality. Like we, as we do things, get to be partakers of the gospel. Now here's the other side, and this happens a lot when people think that they are God's favorite or whatever, and they start to get choosy about what they are a part of. No, no, no. I don't like that. I don't want to do this. You know what? You find out real quick. You are not necessary. That God will use someone else. And it is so humbling. Right? And you're like, oh, no. I didn't really want to be a part of that. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing it blow up without you. And you're like, oh, should have been me. I should have been doing. I should have been. I should have jumped in. I knew I should have done it. And you're like, oh. People, a lot of times, people, like they'll like leave a church or something. And they'll be like, oh see that church won't make it without me. And then all of a sudden God does something and they're like, Oh, I want to come back. You know, you know, like uh, uh, down the road. And, and if it's like, depends on your heart, if you're like, okay, you know what? I'm supposed to go. That's a beautiful thing. There's no problem with that. But sometimes you think, Oh, you know what? I'm bigger than this. And see how you do on your own. You know what? No one is that important to the ministry. It's, it's him that does it. We get to be partakers of it. Isn't that cool? None, no one owns anything. Even the person now, especially the person speaking me, I'm nothing. I can be gone. The next person comes. It's another, another gray glory. He's nothing apart from Jesus. He's a partaker in the gospel. He's chosen to do that. And that's a beautiful thing. But none of us are, are bigger than what God is doing. We get to be part of it. God doesn't get to use us. We get to be used. You get that shifted around in your brain. You go like, yeah, I'll serve. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It kind of makes more sense anyway. So there you go. There's no compromise in this either. There's no compromise in the holiness. It's just a willingness to meet people where they're at. Verse 24. This is where we get our run to win. We finally got to the theme verse. All right. Verses. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it. You want to know how you're supposed to approach this world, this life run to win. That means all the sin, all the, World, this world's junk that comes in, leave it all behind. Don't worry about it. Run to win. Your freedoms are not your freedoms if they're stopping you from running to win. I, I was listening to, I, like I always do every week, I was listening to David Guzik and he had some really good points on that. And he says, to the athlete, to the runner, couldn't he say, don't I have the freedom to go to, um, what's the name, the goods donut shop? On State Street in Carlsbad, I'm giving a shout out. They're awesome. They give me free donuts often. It's not good, but it's awesome. It's not good, but it's awesome. Um, they're so they're so anyway. Those donuts are insane. They you go there and you say well to the the runner says do I not have freedom to to have this you say yes you do have freedom to have that but it's gonna be harder to run to win. Do I have the freedom to drink a two liter of Mountain Dew right before my race? Yes, you do. But it might not help you when you're running. You have that freedom, but it might not be a good idea. But, this, I, but I do have the freedom, right, to drink this two liter of Mountain Dew and eat these chili cheese fries and this donut right before my race. You go, that is so foolish. It's going to be, we're going to see all this again. You know, it's going to come back. There will be a resurrection of the food. That's, that's the mentality. I could do it, but why would I want to run in such a way that you may obtain the prize? Paul uses this because in Corinth, these games were a big deal. Sports were a big deal. Paul likes sports anyway. He uses it often, right? But they had the Ith uh it was the Ithmian Games. They were second to the Olympics in in Athens. So these were a big it was a big deal, big sporting event. And these people would completely understand this. He's like, those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Like You will train, you will cut things out that are bad for you. You will do everything you need to do if you really want to win. If you're just trying to participate, like it's like, oh, we did 5K and they just walk it. You're like, that's really rad. But you're taking it a little bit different than someone who's literally trying to get a medal, right? For those who are striving to get a medal, it is a whole different thing. Good friend of mine was a professional triathlete. And he said that he was reading all these books on all the stuff he would do. And he said that he would get, like, people always looked at him super weird because he'd be in the gym doing weird ankle exercises that are unique to a triathlete. And he's like, no one ever sees anyone do this. It is something that will give me a little fraction of an edge. And he would go do the weirdest workouts because they were specific to be a triathlete. That's what it takes to be a professional. That's what it takes to get to the next level. You have these guys, professional football players, that have, I heard, uh, was it Mike Wallace? Just went to the Raiders, right? Was it him? No, Antonio, sorry, not Mike Wallace, the other guy. Antonio Brown went to the Raiders. And they said he travels with a nutritionist everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, everywhere he eats. That nutritionist is with him, making sure what goes into his body is good, because he said... This last week, I don't know why I said Mike Walsh. I know, Anthony Ron. He said this last week, I want to break Jerry Rice's record. Well, it's going to be hard to do. But it will be impossible if you don't prepare. And he knows what goes into my body today affects who I am when I'm 40, which I want to be a receiver when I'm 40 years old. And I want to be good still at that point. Jerry Rice was notorious for working insanely hard. Guys half his age couldn't keep up with him. Well, why do you think he holds that record? It's going to take that same sort of effort to be on the same level as him. Sure, you could be a great high school athlete and you never showed up to any training. You're just a good athlete. But you will not make it in the NFL like that. There will be training necessary. You might be the fastest kid on your block. You aren't going to sprint for the U.S. Olympic team unless you put in some effort and work To get you to where you're going. That's it. We do these things for a a, a perishable crown. They do it for a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. How much more value should we put on eternity? And the people we live around and with. Get rid of the stuff that is not doing you any favors. Things that are holding you back. Therefore I run. I love this part. I'm closing here. Did a whole chapter again. Yeah, I know you noticed. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. This is beautiful. I'm not I it's not like I don't know where I'm going. I do know. And I do know who I'm what I'm fighting. And I am driven, I'm focused. Verse ten, I mean twenty seven. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know what that's saying? I know I can blow it. So I have to keep reins on my own personal body. So I don't, sometimes I have to say no to things I want just so that I can continue to keep my focus on what's really important. None of this other stuff matters. I don't want to preach and then become disqualified. There's nothing that sounds worse to me. You know what? we have the accounts of Paul. There's no like end of the story where Paul blows it, right? We don't have that because of this. He disciplines himself. Discipline is essential to growth, right? This morning, alarm goes off at five o'clock. And I just was like, oh, that's so, it's just so dark outside, right? With the time change, right? It's brutal. If you get up early, you're like, whatever. Yeah, I know, I know. But I just sat there and it was dark. And I'm like, it's cold and it's dark. And I'm just going to sit here for 140 minutes. It was 40 minutes. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there the whole time. You just got to get up. You've got to get up. I'm like, I can't get up. I just can't get out of this bed. You've got to get up, man. D- just do it. And you're just sitting there going, "Okay, wait a minute. No, whoa! I've never f- laid like this before. This is comfort. A whole new level of comfort. <laughs> well, this little part of the cover. Oh yeah. All right. I'm not going anywhere now. Just five minutes, you know. Finally, you got to go. No, no, no. You are late. The whole schedule's thrown off. Get up and go, man. You have to discipline. Get up and do it. Make it happen. We talked before about you want to be a runner? You have to run. Sorry. It's literally, that's the definition of a runner. You can't like do it. I watched a YouTube video and it showed me how to be a runner without being a runner. That's not a runner because a runner is a runner. Okay? You can be fit. You cannot be a runner without running. Okay? Okay? So you have to get up and you have to do it. And it might, your body might say, I hate this. I hate you right now, you know. You got to keep going. You got to say, body, you are wrong. I actually, this is a good thing. I need this. You're telling me to stop because you like being comfortable. Tough luck. Onward and upward, right? If we want to follow Jesus, he's going to be called into some waters that are a little bit. Uh, scary, (laughs) sketchy. There's nothing better we can do than follow him though. There's nothing safer. There's nothing better. There's nothing more worthwhile. There's nothing more challenging, (laughs) but it's beautiful. Follow Jesus. Let's do it. Run to win. It's good. Let's pray. We're going to close up in some worship here. I'll have Rich come back up. And then afterwards, I think we're gonna pray. Cameron's gonna be heading out for a little while. Can we, if you guys all want to join around, we're gonna pray for him and uh, Anna. They're doing service men, so maybe if you guys want to jump in, if you are down, that'd be cool. And then we got bagels afterwards. A lot of them, remember I said that, so we can all pray, uh, uh, grab some bagels and eat and enjoy some fellowship. But let's just let's just pray right now, Lord. We thank you so much for.